Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Nordics podcast. I am your host, James, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. And a childhood friend is in the hot seat today, John Paul Ricken. Hello, lads. How's it going? How's the farm? Not too bad. It's good to see you. Good to see you, though. Just for people that don't know you or us, uh, where we grew up, we're all in the one estate, aren't we? It's <laughs> about 50 yeah. metres between all our houses. Well, we 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 say if you walked in, if you came in the, the entrance of the estate, you yeah. have a block of houses here, a block here. And a block here. Sorry. Like, I was on this block, you were on that block, and James, you were here yeah. in the corner. Like, if you looked out my door, you looked straight across into your house, wouldn't yeah. you? People mm. might have seen your gaff actually when we were on Nationwide a few weeks ago. Might have, yeah. Because uh, they, they took, four, they took foot, uh, video footage of us kicking the ball in the grass. You know, some right, of yeah. my best memories, you know, coming home from school and you know, if the grass was freshly cut. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it That's the right. best thing ever? Some games of soccer there, weren't there? Mm. Happy days. There were good games, weren't well, there? brilliant. There was yeah. a few good players come out of our calling too. I don't know. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But, uh, I was probably the best, I'd say. <laughs> 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 Who was the best, Timmy? Timmy was Timmy was good. Yeah. Timmy was good. But the best player that we good. had in that is there. Yeah. Well, yeah, well. In in, in, in yeah. our Cullen. In our Cullen, 100%. Uh, who, who, who would you say in, in that little state that we were in? Um, You weren't that he was a good player. That he was, yeah. You weren't a bad player. I used to always try to impress yeah. that he then. No, if that he was out watching, I'd be doing all the skills. Alan Roy Allen wasn't a bad player. Roy was a fantastic player. Roy was a great player. Roy was one of the fastest wingers I've ever seen. Yeah, I was only looking at your old pictures actually with him back in the day. Draw who's a good player, Jason Conway, and he's still playing with Mary's today. Yeah, yeah. Very strong. But listen, we'll drive on to it anyway. We will, yeah. So you're the same age as me, you're 37. 37, yeah. You went to Australia. What year did you go to Australia? Me and Susan went to Australia in 2011. Um, Where's Susan from? Susan from Fernway, yeah. Fern Forest Avenue. And as you know, well, I was born near Colin Hill, yeah. which he buys. Yeah. And then we moved to uh, Grand then just by the police station there with my old man. Yeah. When I was about 20, I'd say. So I started going up with Susan in 2007. We were uh, living with each other then in Blarney Street and uh, Shanakeel then, Moyle Stream. Mm. And then... It was a bit of downtown, the recession there, yeah. coming into 2011. That's right. I was 26, I was only working one day a week. Um, so I was not a grand job, she was in Brown Thomas. Um, she was in Brown Thomas, and uh, but sure, I was 26, I had no money, I was like, I need to do something with my life, and we were down the, the Black Rock Walk there, and I asked her, I said, like, we'll give Australia a go, because uh, I've, you know, I've no, there's no ambition or nothing yeah. here for the two of us, like, I can't support you or anything. 
So I went off with the idea of staying for 12 months in 2011. So I got the 12-month visa. But sure, when we got there, we just loved the place. Then, like, um, fell in love with it. And uh, we... Uh, the lifestyle, the weather, everything about it. Unbelievable. We got there in November. So, like, the summer usually starts in you know, November, December, and that's important yeah, anyway. Time of the year, and you'll have a f- five, six months, like, you know, 30, 40 degrees. I said, there's a lot of people, like yourself, you know, a lot of Irish people around that time of our age that you know, ended up doing what you did and over in Australia. Did you meet a lot of people from Cork over there? When we went, I tell you now, when we went in 2011, I went into a place called Northbridge, which was in the city of Port. She might as well been in Patrick Street. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't go to the toilet, tip in the back, all right, John Paul, what's going on? <laughs> because you like playing soccer, no, you fell yeah. some Douglas, Matten, yeah. everywhere. And they were like, geez, what are you doing here, like? What are you doing yeah. here? There was... Uh, I'd say like there was over a hundred thousand people that year went alone uh, when we went to Port anyway yeah, or sure. Sydney Melbourne, but it was uh, it was unreal. Like when you go over there, till you know, and when you go over there and you see it, it's just amazing. Like. What way do do the Australian people accept the Irish into their country, or for that uh, for that matter, any foreigner? Um, that's a good question, actually. Because, you know, the what was your experience? My experience when we went first was um, when you're going to work for us, first of all, the accent is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we talk fast, like I talk fast, but you don't realise till you get there. Yeah. So you're repeating yourself a lot. And, you know, you think sometimes, like, are they, are they taking the piss out, you know, or what's mm-hmm. happening here? Like, so uh, the language barrier, language bar- even though you speak English, yeah. is hard. They're like, what, what? And you're like, nah. <laughs> um, in the workforce, like it's, it can be hard, like you know, this and that. And when it, my local pub, then we used to uh, get the odd comment, like, oh, you shouldn't be here in our country. And like, you know, mm. and we used to always say it, and it was like, this pub wouldn't be open only for us. Yeah. We're, the, we're, we're drinking here every day, yeah. we work every day, we pay our taxes every day. Mm. But it's interesting, like, because you've all, you know, the immigration that comes into this country you now. But when you think about it, like, you have a white Australian person telling you you shouldn't be in their country. I wonder what the Aboriginal people are thinking looking at him. Of them, it's... Uh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because they're, only, they're only blow-ins true. themselves. It's true, it's true. It's um, But again, like there's a minority in every country. Yeah, and, a min- and a minority have a problem, which uh, I met some, I've made some lifelong friends. Australian, uh, New Zealanders, English people, Irish people, friends for life. Yeah. But you'll get a minority to have a problem yeah, with you like, yeah. and that's just the way it is. But you know, them minority, they actually have a problem with themselves, it's not with you. That? It's just yeah. something that's not right within them. That's not just sitting right. So that's that's just that's everywhere. It's like we listen in this country at the moment. We're taking in a lot of different people, you know, because they're losing their homes. It's the same thing. Fifty, hundred years ago, the Irish moved all over the world. We they did. went to yeah. the 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 UK. They went to America. You know, like we built both countries exactly. basically. Um, as well. uh, that's because we're renowned all over the world as grafters, James. Mm. We work hard. We work hard, and that's the thing. We work hard. That's the thing. We have a great reputation in Australia because we work hard. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, there's not a lot of skilled people anymore. Like mm. worldwide, like the generation now, like yeah. there's not many people are skilled. And that's a very, very good, good point because I think we're moving into a way of the world where people see that they can use their brains and make a few quid 
than using their hands and going out and breaking yeah. your back. hundred percent. You'll find it very, very rare now. People doing apprentice today. Yeah. People don't do it anymore. Like people are getting on the door now and they're, they're getting what two hundred quid a week. Shut up, grand. We live with that. Like people don't want to graft anymore. Mm. And in Australia, they're pining for uh, for skilled people from from Ireland mm. to come over, like you know, and work and bail them out. If it isn't for us, it's the same with doctors coming here, like. Mm. They might be from India, Pakistan, mm. wherever. But you need them, like, because mm. you don't have qualified Irish people to yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So what are you supposed to do? Shortage, we yeah. spoke about this on the podcast a few times now. Yeah. But it's like, if you're, so you left the country, right, during mm. an economic downturn. Yeah. 100,000 people around that time left Easy, the country. Say, yeah. All those families that have been separated and displaced, the next, the, the, like, you don't want that to happen again. So it's no. like, when it, when there's a downturn in the economy, the first jobs to go is to construction jobs. Yeah. And they're the, they're the people then that's forced to emigrate. So people now are thinking like, right, there's, there's no real safety in that for me. So let's go to college instead and get the degree. Yeah. Because there's a bit more security, get a tech job or a pharmaceutical job or something like that. Do yeah. You know, um, so, th- and that's, that's why we just spoke about it as well. That's why I think there's a shortage of apprentices and a shortage of... You know, construction workers and stuff like that because yeah. they're the first to get they're badly burned. Yeah. yeah. You know, the construction industry is so important in Ireland. Mm-hmm. But you know when you were over there you had a couple of kids? I did, yeah. Did you get married? We did, married yeah. Well like we I I proposed to run the beach over in twenty fourteen. I proposed on my birthday. she wasn't happy with that because should I took the I took the birthday off her like as long as the wedding. <laughs> you were trying to cheap out two gifts. <laughs> No, I can understand she was looking for two parties. Absolutely, absolutely. Give me back the rings on. I get, I get you a pair of earrings. That's <laughs> what I mean. But uh, yeah, we um, we planned in. We uh, we came back in 2016 to get married. So we got married in in uh, Farnley Church and uh, we had reception on under Addison Little Island. Um, and we uh, we went back then to Australia then after that. Um, was the honeymoon spent here in Ireland? So. In a way, it was, but uh, we'd no really plans. But then we went to uh, we went to Dubai then in 2017 for ten days. Oh, nice. That was a honeymoon. That was unreal. Yeah, that nice. was unreal. And then we came back and um, we got pregnant. Then Leo was pregnant. And Leo then Leo was born in uh, 2019 on 12th of June. Yeah, so he was the first fella that came out. Who's where did Leo come from? Because I know your family. And I know there's no Leo there was, in the family. You know, like Susan was. Uh, Montessori teacher. Yeah. So she so she taught a lot of kids like she'd come home and she's like, you know, like what what you like again, Dylan? Nah, there's one of them in the class. He's a pain in the hall. Oh, yeah. Not talking <laughs> that. You know, yeah. you're like what? What about that? Nah, he does my head in. Yeah. And you're like, ah, but come on, no, like you like. So what else you have to think about like what are the kids going to call him? Do you know what I mean? I know, yeah. They're going to be marked and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But this is the thing, and she was like, uh, it has to be short. No, you can't like there's a, there's a nickname for everything. But she was yeah. asked, that's the joys of it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no, you go through the baby book and all that kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. like, and uh, I list all the six, and she came back, and she goes, nah, I don't like that. But Leo's not bad, actually. Like, yeah, Leo's a nice name. So he goes, ah, sure. We go over Leo, so we, so she liked it straight away then, so we said we just stick with it. Nice. Um, but the thing was, like, we had, so we said that would be one, like, because, look, I was 35, like, so I wasn't spring chicken, like, so I was, mm. like, I'm getting pushing on now. But, uh, she fell pregnant then again a year and a half later then with Lucy. So Lucy was born in March of last year, 2021, yeah. Um, 
if Lucy was a, if Leo was a girl, it was going to be Lucy. Okay. Yeah. So we stuck with Lucy. Yeah. So let's let's speak a little bit about your wife. So um, she came from Farnley. She did, yeah. So uh, just lead up to what happened. Right, with Susan, like, um, so obviously I just told you she was a teacher. Like, we'd, we just had two kids. Lucy was born in March, as I said. Um, things were good, like, things were hard, as you know. Like, yeah. when you have kids, like, yeah. it's, it's tough going, like. a toddler, like. You know, and it was, uh, it was a new, new experience for us. And we were juggling, like, I was working and uh, she was at home to babies in. And we, you know, we were juggling daycare and it was tough, like, you know, you're, you're tired, like, yeah. you're knackered out. And, um what the first six seven months was grand it was normal like nothing, nothing to report and uh, I remember she came home uh, one day or I came home from work sorry I came home from work one day and um, she kind of bruises on her leg like you know on one or two here on her arm and uh, so I was slagging I was like I can't go like, you think I'm, I'm beating the shit out of you know? <laughs> like, she was like maybe I'll tell him like you know I was like so I'm not going to make the dinner there no I'll tell him when you like but uh, she was uh she wanted to go get that checked out. And uh, so she went. She went to the GP and um, they were down as a low uh, iron account. Like, so said, like, uh, you might need a... Supplement. A uh, supplement, so whatever. So she went, uh, she ran anyway, and I seen like, the, the day after, I came, like, it's, it's getting worse, like, I was sure, you're getting bruises, like, and it was like, it's, it's not normal at all. So she went back and uh, said she'd need a blood transfusion, you know, so that's, but it's common, a lot of uh, women know to have babies and stuff, they get, you know, they get tired, they're low on iron, so they might need to, just to kick them back up. So what part of, what part of, uh, when did all this start happening? What year? Well, just in Oct- um, October. This is October 20 what? 21. 21. Last, last year, last October. Uh, yeah, so just seven months after Lucy. And uh, so she went, I remember, she went in on the Saturday. She was so tired now, like, mm-hmm. I mean, and lifting the children was a struggle, like, you mm. know? And I was like, right, she was a bit short, a breath. Says, look, just go in and get the blood transfusion done, like, and, uh, you know, you'll be grand then. Because I was talking to a few girls, I said, yeah, we've got that done as well. It's about 24 hours, 48 hours, you'll be, you'll be back up again and running, like, you know, you get your energy back. So I had the kids on the side, and she went away, and she got it. And she came home, we said, how are you getting on? She said, I'm bare, like, I'm bare. I'm, I'm, I'm bare from her. I said, we see how we go. And uh, so that was Sunday went, grand, and I came home then on Monday night after work. Still the same, like she was still a bit tired, still a bit, you know, not herself. And uh, she used to always bring Lucy into bed about six o'clock and I'd be outside in the, the living room with Leo. And uh, I just heard a big scream, like, from the bedroom. So she so I ran in. She was on the bathroom floor, like, holding her down by her appendix, like, you know. And I said, what's wrong with her? She was in so much pain, oh, she couldn't even, she couldn't answer me, like. So I was like, will I ring an ambulance? What will I do? Like, tell me what to do. Because I had two kids, I was like, what will I do? So I ended up ringing my friend. She came down, and I lifted her out of the car, and she brought her up to the hospital then. That was on the Monday night. And uh, I rang her then that night, and she was like, yeah, they're just seeing me, you know, uh, I'm still in a bit of pain, like, my, I have an awful pain in my stomach or there, and she goes, my left arm is killing me as well. Um... Like, I only know, I don't know, she, she had a lump under her left arm just by her armpit, you know. But I only found out out later. But she only knew that about while she went through to the, the iron transfusion. Yeah. And 
So I went up to the hospital the next day, brought, dropped the kids to daycare, and I went up to the hospital and talking to the doctors. Uh, we'll do this scan, we'll do a CT scan, we'll just do tests. So that's grand on you. So I met about 20 doctors, all like different. Next thing on the Wednesday, they came in and they were like, um, uh, could be like we need to do a biopsy. So there's no answers, like no answers whatsoever. And that was came to a Friday, so four days of not knowing what was going on, no answers. Still doing tests, still doing scans, taking bloods, and on the Friday, then they were saying it's probably it could be appendicitis and it might be um, lymphoma in the chest, which is uh, like cancer in the in the chest. So uh, I remember I went off to two, two of our friends and we went in for a drink. She was in good spirits, I was in good spirits. I sat down and the phone rang, and she rang me on the messenger, you know, and. Uh, I could just see from her face when she answered, I knew, I was like, what's wrong? She goes, things have taken a drastic turn here, like they're prepping me here now for surgery, like. And uh, I goes, all right, right. So I had to organize, get someone to pick the children up, because um, we were picked up in an hour, and I had to get someone to drop me to the hospital straight away. But when I got there, I couldn't get in. It was it was night today, at night time in port. There's no night visits, like. They actually shut the hospital down, like, okay. you know? So past eight o'clock, the hospital, you shut down, you can't even get in the door. So I had to plead, like, look, I'm, I'm her husband, like, uh, you know, what's going on? So they let me in eventually, anyway. And when I got up to the ward, I just went in and she was then she was sedated, like she was out of it. And they said, uh, oh, she had a, a emergency operation there and uh, they removed a mass from her body. And What's I, a mass, John? A mass is a tumour. A tumour. tumour. So, but when they told me, to me, like, when they said mass, I was... Like your headspace, I was like, You didn't think too much. Nah, you wouldn't have a clue. I was like, Because in my head, she was getting her appendix out. Yeah. And uh, so they said a mass. And I asked her, I goes, Can you explain what that is? She goes, You'll have to talk to the, I'm only a nurse, you'll have to talk to a doctor. So I had to go home. They told me I had to go home, I couldn't stay. So I had to tell her whatever. She was so scared that night as well. Like she was like, Don't leave me and everything. And I had to leave her. But I left her then and I came back the next day. And I uh, met an oncologist. An oncologist is, a, is a, an expert in cancer. They, they're a doctor that deal in ca all cancers, you know. And she opened it and she came in and just said to her, she was, um, you're going to die. Basically, that was her words. You're going to die. Fucking and I, I turned around and I was like, automatically, I didn't kind of grab her hand, but I was like, can I have a word with you outside here? Like, mm. And I shut the gate, or shut the curtain, and uh, I said, what you say? Oh yeah, she's uh, she's going to die. I says, How'd you, what do you mean, like? I says, she, she explain, like. She goes, oh yeah, she's um, she got terminal cancer. So like, for how long, like? Are we talking days, weeks, months, years? I don't know. I can't tell you that till we do more tests and scans. So um, fucking hell. That was uh, yeah, it was hard to process that. I was like, like kind of thinking, like, well, how, how do you, how how can you go from how does she, where was she? She was, like, it's hard to explain, James, when, like, she was under so much drugs and... and she and, wasn't really uh, taking it properly. She didn't take it in at all. She was kind of... And I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't leave her see me because I knew I didn't want her to be upset because she you was so much... You probably falling apart herself and turning. I couldn't do it in front of her, but outside. Yeah. Like, I remember that time, I, uh, I, I didn't smoke for four or five years. I gave up the fags. But that day, I, went, I was I was outside smoking, 
I can't even remember buying the box of cigarettes. I can't even remember why I was smoking, but I found myself on my fifth cigarette outside. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, but I didn't want her to see that, you know what I mean? Because uh, she had enough on her plate, like. So, uh, but the thing was, I didn't know how long we had. And then uh, I had, like, I had um, all these specialists, a blood specialist, lymphoma specialist, all these doctors coming in, and I was like, can anyone tell me what the hell is going on, like? So I'd no, I'd, I'd no answers, like. And then she got, uh, she had a stoma. So what a stoma is, they removed, so when the next day, they removed. So your bowel is your large intestine, basically. So like when we drink or eat food, goes in, down into a mouth, into our stomach, and then the intestine absorbs the food and the drink. Mm. And that's how we go to the toilet. Then, you know, breaks it down then, and that's how we go to the toilet. Yeah. So they removed, the, so it's called the right hemoclectomy. So they, they removed half our intestine. So that stops then. So you, you, you can't go to the toilet properly then. So what they do, they insert the clostomy bag, but they call it a stoma. So whereas your intestines come out of your body, Mm. and you have to put a bag onto it then so uh, that was a new challenge then so I had to learn how to, to clean it yeah, to, yeah. To, that was another experience to learn how to do that um, but they wanted to discharge it in after the, the second week but she was she wasn't ready to go home like she was she was sick she was very sick was she in pain? she was in a lot of pain she had a, she had a her hand gave her the most trouble like she had a she had a lump under her arm, but it just swelled and swelled and swelled. It was like five times the size of an arm and arm. Like, it was just oh hell, And she was just like jumping out the weight of it, the weight of it is killing me. Like, What was that lump? It was um, just mark. from the lymph, like, the, yeah, the lymph nodes and the swelling. And it, it just came out of her hand here. And uh, like whatever, the cancer, it was, just, it was just spreading. It was all the fluid just spread into her arm. And she just couldn't... You know somebody that's terminally ill like that when mm. they they do all these biopsies and stuff mm. and they find out that like this person is gonna gonna die in a few weeks time. Yeah. Why would they go and do operations then knowing that that will actually worsen? I the think they only found out she was terminal after was the operation. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's correct. Like we like um. Like what you said there, that, that wasn't even an option to me. That yeah. was, I didn't, we, we thought appendix, she took out, a, out that, like on hindsight, look at it now, they removed it, but, and when they removed it, you think like, oh, maybe they've got it all, no, they've yeah. got it all, like, yeah. you know. But then I was like, how, but how is she dying? So if you removed it, but they only removed a small bit of it, they only removed a small bit of thing, but it was, uh, like but it spread, it was everywhere. Like, but I, I wasn't told time. that. Yeah, she still had it. Like, so. But when you're in that headspace, you can't comprehend it. You're mm. like, you're not, you know what's going on. Like I was thinking of the children. You're just trying to think. Yeah. And you're like. But when she was, when she got out of the hospital, then I brought her home. I had to be our home nurse then, like you know. So I had to pack in the job straight away. Uh, I had to take her on. I had two children now as well, like two babies, like I had to juggle the two of them and her. Like she was bed, she was the first two days she was grand, but she was bed bunged in after that. She got worse and worse every day. And I knew it. I knew her inside out and I knew like she was, I knew she was on the way and I knew it because in my head I was like, oh, I might get a year or two here. Like I knew I wasn't, I knew it was, the end was near. Like they never gave you a timeline, did they? I had no timeline till uh, we went in. 
to the oncologist again with the option of uh, chemo. But when I went into the chemo ward, like, there was women, like, in wigs. There was women, no, no hair. They were all walking around. Susan was in a wheelchair. I had to push her. She couldn't stand. She couldn't do anything. I had to push her physically, the pain she was in. And we went in and you want to look, uh, there's this type of chemotherapy um, that will get her on. That, you know, it's aggressive, like, you know. So we left there, like, and she, we had a bit of optimism, but yeah. deep down I know it. It would have killed her in two seconds. She, she wouldn't have been able for it. She mm. was bait, like. And that was uh, on Monday, so she was due for the chemo on the Wednesday. And uh, she got worse and worse at home. And I knew then I was I could see it was spreading. And I knew it was spread to the liver then and I was like, I had to make a I had to make a call here, like so I rang the the home nurse that were coming in and the uh, silver chain there called, they come up to the house and give you a hand, like, you know, the odd time here and there. So I had to make a call, I rang them, I said, Look, she's due for chemo here this morning, there's not a hope. When I told her that I broke her heart, because she thought she was going for chemo, like, yeah. and I got to say, look, I'm sorry, like, you can't, like, you, you, you can't even get it, up out of bed, like. It would have killed her. It would have killed her straight yeah. away. But she, uh, I had to tell her, like, I was like, you can't go, like, I can't bring in, like, you have to, and they wanted me to bring her to the hospital then, but uh, I was talking to her, she goes, look, why don't you bring her up to um, Besetta Hospital, it's a hospice, it's a bit like Mary Monk, like, so, you know, like, when you hear hospice, they go to die then, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, So that was on the Wednesday, but we brought her up there. Christ, that was some decision. What a place. Right on the marina. You look out the window, like, from the room, like, boats, yachts, mm. uh, the water. It was unreal. If I brought her into the, the public hospital there, it'd be like the Mercy you now, or CUH, like, yeah, it'd have been a nightmare, like. You're looking at concrete walls so, around yeah, the Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. This was spectacular, like, this was, like, yeah. the wealthy place. It was a beautiful place, like. Yeah. But uh, when we got there then, uh, I remember going up in the ambulance with her. She was in so much pain. We had to give her oxygen in there. And I remember from like when we got out of the, the ambulance at the hospital and we brought her up to the room, she couldn't communicate anymore with me thought from verbally, like, you know. Was she on any morphine at this she stage? She was. She was on so much. She, she, the dro- like the drugs that she was on to me, was insane, yeah. insane when she had it. It was, we had to keep it because the dosage wasn't high enough, like it was, she was in pain, pain the whole time. So she, uh, nothing was working, like nothing was working. And then I, uh, that's why then I made a call. I was like, just, she needs, I can't do it anymore. Like, you know, I was, I wasn't equipped, like. Yeah, I, I had babies was, as well. I took, but I'd, I'd, I'd only, I had these drugs that I was given to me that I could give to her, like, but I'm not, like, I'm her husband, yeah, but I'm not a nurse. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, I had two children as well, I can't, I couldn't give her the 24-7 that she needed, like. So the, that's when she went to the hospital that time then, and... Do uh, when you said that uh, you didn't think that it was a good idea for her to do the chemo? Did the doctor support you on that? Yeah, she... Did they agree? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. She was too far gone at that stage, like. Mm-hmm. Well, she went in on Wednesday, and as I said, when I left that ambulance and I went up to the room, she couldn't talk anymore. Like she was just basically gasping for her at that stage. But she could hear. But she could hear, like, and she could. She knew who was there, like, and what was going on. What well, where was she herself? Was she at peace? I tell you, by what a woman she was. So, like, like when you ask me where to go, out, like, you know, when when someone finds out they're terminal, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Susan was always into positivity, you mm. know. Back in the day, you know, like, I was like, ah, we out, yeah. She's mm. like, if you want to win the lottery, mate, you have to believe it, yeah. you know what I mean? You yeah. know, or, you yeah. know. And I used to be like, ah, go away, don't be talking to me, like, you know. But this is the reason I'm doing all this, is because her positivity. Every day she posted a positivity video. She had her affirmation cards. She never, ever felt sorry for herself once. She mm. never complained by, she never... And all the nurses and were all like, said, what's going on with her? Like, so mad she she's no right to be behaving like this. She, she's an absolute darling. She's uh, like, she's no right to be this positive. The pain that that woman is in and what she's going through, she shouldn't be like this, but she was. like, mm-hmm. And uh, she was positive the, the whole way. And if, that's, when I said it, like, she was like, uh, every time a nurse came in, the girl said, she should be swearing at me. Mm-hmm. Please and thank you by the mm-hmm. whole way. She goes, I can't get over this woman. Like, how can she be this mannerly and dignified still yeah, while she's going through it? Must be very proud of her, like. But like, she's like, she's given me this inspiration to, like, to do this, do all this podcast and talk for her strength. I obviously dislike the people, and I don't know, like her strength gives me the strength. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. I can see it. Yeah. She does. Like, she gives yeah. she gives me the strength. Her positivity gives me positivity. Like, you know. How long was she sick before she passed away? Four weeks, so she went in on the, the 18th of October, the Monday night. There was no talk of cancer at this time? None whatsoever, just pendicitis. Susan's never sick in her life. How? 
see how progressive it was within the four weeks. But this is the thing is, uh, I've looked into all this and I've had a lot of opinions and doctors like, she two babies, like for the aggressive cancer, like it didn't, it wasn't there for four weeks. She, she didn't get it on that she night. She had it a long time before she ever known. She had it about 12 to 18 months, I'd say. But I said to a doctor then, I was like, how? Did she give How birth? can you have, how can you, how can, what, what you mean? Like, because she'd no symptoms, like, like the symptoms mostly like is blood in your stool. You might lose weight. You're tired. Who's not, who's not tired when they have two children? Yeah. I was tired for God's sake. Did she lose weight, her appetite? I don't, she didn't really, like, she didn't. And she only gave birth seven months previous? She gave birth to Lucy, and uh, that was it, like, it was... So I said, she, I said to one doctor, my lord, she, I goes, can you, any explanation? She goes, Champal, this is a, they were calling her the mystery woman, like, they were like, it's baffling to me, like. But he says, you know what, he says, some people on this earth have uh, pain threshold beyond belief. They just can't, and she never complained. When I go back now, 15 years I was with her, she didn't complain much, like, you know, if she had a migraine or a back pain, or she mm -hmm. got on with it. She got always got on with things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, I says, come on, like, she goes, you'd be surprised, like, some people uh, just get on with their life. They're too busy with work and, you know, the kids and all that. But uh, she was, yeah, like, what, four weeks? I buried her on, on the 5th of December then. Did you bury her in Australia? Australia, yeah. So we had, uh, the funny thing with Susan was when I had, uh, like, they had given an option to do last rites or anything like that, like, sure, like, my head was gone at that stage, so we brought in the priest. And uh, she was, uh, your man came in anyway, and actually, whenever she did, no, think of Susan, no, she couldn't communicate or anything. But your man was doing it, she just went, shh. She shushed them like that, shh. <laughs> and she just started laughing. I thought, I was like, whoa. Mm. I was like, this, she knows your man is here, though. Yeah, like, and she was going to shush them and laugh, like, you know. But she just wanted to be left alone, like, because yeah, she was, yeah. you know, she wanted to be at peace. But we had, uh, oh, yeah, we had the, the funeral then on, yeah, the 5th of December. So when she died on the 19th, I made the option of cremating her, then getting her cremated. So I could bring her home, like, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you know, yeah. like, bringing the body home on yeah. a plane is yeah. is hard. It's going to be a lot. And I didn't want her to be on her own as well, like, that way. A lot of people are getting cremated these days, anyway. Oh, they are, like, they are. And, it, like, you know, it's either, well, it doesn't matter, really, like, but we had the best uh, service, like, I had a uh, private in the funeral home, but I didn't have any priest, I didn't have any prayers. Mm. I just had my friends, mm. her mum and dad were there, and, like, some people said a poem. Some people sang a song. I gave anyone the option if they want to talk about her. It was more intimate, like. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sounds positive. Sounds like right up our street, like. But it was like, uh, I was, you know, I didn't want any morbidness to it. Of course, it's sad. And of course, yeah, of it was bad. But yeah. it was, you know, like, people left there and after they were talking about it, it was like, that was brilliant, like. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, it was positive And that's where she would have wanted anyway. Yeah. You know, that's where she would have wanted it. The too formal, aren't they? Like it's, they're too far, it's, man. It's, it's the end. It's the end. It's, it was, you know. it was too, they are, they're depressing, like. But we had, it was, you know, everything the way it went, like, like someone said, the poem, the girls had a beautiful poem. Uh, one of them sang, uh, Wind Beneath My Wings, you know, that was one of their favourite songs. Um, 
my mum and dad said a speech, I said a speech. But it was great, like, it was just more intimate and more private, you know. Well, where was Leo? Leo's, Leo's a bit of a, a tough one, oh, like, so, like, Leo would have been two, would have been two, two, yeah, when Susan died. So he, he's confused, like, he's, uh, you know, the hardest part, all right, now was Christmas Day last year. We went up with our buddies and we were in their house and uh, everyone's mammy was there, like, so his man wasn't there, so he was he was wondering what was going on, like you could see yeah, it in him, yeah. like, you know. And uh but this is the thing, Lucy's neither here or there, she's only a baby, like yeah. so she, she you know she'd be alright. Him on the other hand, he's a clever little boy, like that age, like he's clever, alright, like but he's three now, we're home now a year, like, but uh Has 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 his grandmother's stepped into that role a little bit? Well, they have, they have in a way, like, we, I, I stay with Susan's mum and dad, known for Henry, and uh, they're amazing, like, you know, they they help me out, same my own mum and dad, mm. uh, Donna, my sister Donna, like, uh, she's, she's, uh, she's been amazing, and her other sister, uh, Susan's sister's in, Martin and Eleanor, like, but she needs that, you know, that they need that female little presence, mm. like, you know. Uh, but he, they're, they're lucky that they have the family, because my memory of your family and your house was always a very loving, caring home. And your mum and dad were the two lovely people, like. Yeah, but that's I mean? it. There was like a lot of people say to me, like, uh, "Would you stay over there? You know, or was it the right decision to come home and all that?" What I say to people is, I loved Australia. I lived there for ten years. It takes a lot of balls to leave Cork yeah. and start a new life on the other side of the world. Mm. You know, I commend everyone that do it. But, like, I, I didn't just lose Susan, I lost my life, like, for 10 years, I lost mm. my job, or care, my friends, yeah. or dreams, basically, like. Yeah. yeah, we've come back to Cork, and Cork was always our home, like, but that was my life there. Yeah. Now I'm home now, like, it's, you have to set up a whole new life again, even though I'm back home. But, um, yeah, like, it's... Are you walking away now? I'm not, no, I've shown a full-time dad now. Oh, yeah. The two of them, like, it's hard. Like, I, I haven't been daycare, now. Leo does three hours in the morning, and I got her enough for five. Mm. But sure, what the three hours is nothing, like, half, yeah. eight, half, eleven, like, I can only do my best. Tell, but, us, tell us about your foundation. Yeah, so, um, again, it's weird, like, you know, in, in, in whatever, in grief, or I don't know how other people uh, react or respond to things, but... I just like everything Susan was I couldn't like was like I can't just like she didn't this doesn't end here like yeah. the journey doesn't stop here she was the most she was the most amazing woman and like she wasn't only the mother to my children I wasn't only my wife but she did everything for me like she did mm. like you know I went to work I brought in the money but she she did everything like she minded you she minded me oh. she did there's no two ways about it <laughs> and uh, she was you know she was everything I loved her to bits and uh, but she like I said to myself one day I was laying down in bed and some one of my friends outside said we should like we should uh, do our memory in a good way somehow so I was just like clicked to my I was like why don't I just do the Susan Rickon Foundation page you know and uh, so I just set it up um, I started contacting podcasters like yourselves outside um, journalists and papers now, when I look back in it, all the time, I didn't know what was going on. Like, you mm -hmm. know, it was, it's hard to explain your head when you're grieving or when you're in that, like, you're just, 
you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like you some people say you're something. numb, but I wasn't numb. I was kind of at a loss. Like I was just know what was going on. Your life is just over, like in a way. And I was yeah. like, I need to do something. Do you know when you get up in the morning, you go to work. Yeah. That was my life. But I was like, my work is gone. No, my job is gone. What can I do here now to keep this going? Like. Yeah. And so I set up the page and I I, I ran a few stories and. Uh, Within the first two weeks, the page reached 200,000 people. And I was getting messages all over the world then, like people like, a lot of people know sympathy, of course, but a lot of people had similar stories. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? So I had a lot of Irish women, and mostly women, as men, you know, as men, we don't open up as much as the women do. Yeah. Um, I am from uh, Dublin, I'm from Mayo, Wexford, uh, my husband, my partner, my sister. My mother was in their 30s. They got bowel cancer. Some of them died, some of them survived. Uh, and then it just came kind of a bit bigger. Then it was kind of like more people were getting onto me and onto me and onto me. Then I was like, okay. I only kind of just started up as maybe a support in my own mind to give myself peace of mind. But then I realised there's a bigger problem here. Mm. I'm not the only one. Yeah. Like, lads went before Susan got sick. Was bowel cancer? I had a clue. Mm. I didn't have a clue, no idea what it was. And the more I looked into it, then, um, no, when I started that, I lived in Australia. I didn't live in Ireland, so I looked into bowel cancer in Australia. And the more and more people were coming back to me, saying they're getting it in their thirties, their twenties, their forties, uh, and the cancer, the what it's known as is an old person's disease it's the same in Ireland in Ireland you're 60 to 69 now for a bowl screen test but like it's not an old person's disease people are dying like this is what I'm doing now Um, so like in Australia it's 50 to 74 Ireland is 60 to 69 America have dropped it to 45 last year Um. The majority of Europe are 50, 45. Now, in my opinion, that's still too high. Draw the screen. Is it, a, is it a stool test? Stool test. So, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's called FIT. So it's F-I-T. So, you get uh, a kit sent to your home. Basically, it's like taking a urine sample, but doing... The feces. Yeah, doing your feces, uh, which is taboo to a lot of people. Like, mm. as The research shows only 41% of people take them. They throw them in the bin, mm. uh, six out of ten in Australia. But uh, and, and, and that's 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 what you need to change. Is need that is that shame around yeah. around sending your feces to a lab? But this is it. If like you, from what I went through, to take a small test like that and to see it, if it saves your life, by God, do it. So right. <coughs> What are some of the characteristics, early characteristics of bowel cancers? So yeah, blood in the stool. Blood in the stool, uh, tiredness, weight loss. Um, you could get uh, lumps in lumps in your abdomen. Bowel movement. You might be going to the toilet a lot. Could be diarrhea. Could be nothing. My my um, what I'm trying to say to people is, you might be tired. There might be blood in your stool, but. The feedback I'm getting is people are going to the doctor. Uh, look, there's blood in the stool, whatever. Hemorrhoids. Uh, yes. Fissure, fissure. Like 
or you might have, like if we all wipe or something, mm. I might have just cut myself there. Or yeah. your wife has um, ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And some of the symptoms you're talking about are the same similar, as that. Similar, similar. The thing with that, James, is like, when that happens, it's a scary thing. People don't want to find out. Mm. They don't want to find out. I was onto this researcher in the NUI in Galway. So she does a project. Basically, it's um, to uh, find out why people are uh, not taking the test and try and encourage people to, to take the test and all that. And obviously, their main one is um, uh, lack of lack of awareness, lack of support from medical professions. Like if you're if you're a doctor and you come in at 37 or even in your 40s and you say, look, I, I might have, you know, I'm getting these symptoms here. But the ideology is it's an old person's disease. The law here says 60 to 69. Mm. So why should a doctor, the doctor's just going to turn around and say, you're too young. Mm. And a lot of people have said that in their messages. You're too young. What age you're you young. 35 years 45. of age. 35. Mm. And, uh, so with something like this now, if people are listening to this and they have these symptoms, don't take the doctor's word for it. Don't take the doctor's word for it at all. And a lot of people, um, and even now, uh, what's his name? Graham Harneybrook, my buddy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, he, he actually doesn't mind me mentioning his name. He's a fan of the podcast. Graham's mm. 37. He's my best buddy. Yeah. Mm. And he's the same. He got it when he was 37. Really? Yeah. Did he have it as he well? He have it as well. Um, Graham's stage one. And, and, and did he get it he because blood. because of, of because of you because of, of what happened with you? Or, no, or Graham's story started before Susan's story. Oh no way! So I was dealing with Graham's stuff first yeah. before Susan came oh, along. For that. And uh, I didn't know that about yeah, Graham. No. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Graham by thinking about you there. Yeah, but he's all good now. Yeah. He, uh, but the same thing. The reason I brought him up is because he went in like a lot of people. They go into the doctor and they're dismissed. They're too young, like. Uh, constipation is another one. Uh, that could be your appendix. All these stories, you know, these are people telling me this. And uh, Graham's didn't take it for uh, didn't didn't want yeah. didn't listen. Like, I'm going to go forward with this. And a lot of people say to me is um, we went in, we didn't take no for answer. We demanded. So when you if you get a it's it's called colonoscopy. Colonoscopy is a camera, camera yeah. up your backside, have a look around your colon. And that'll tell you, like, that'll, that'll be... So if the stool is, is your first uh, yeah. port call, but, like, to really get to the matter of rest, you need a colonoscopy. And, like, Graham, no, he got a colonoscopy, and they found... Um, the cancer on the polyp, and the polyp is just, like, a, a lump, and uh, and uh, he was lucky, like... They got tell, it me, tell me how, how long it would take to go from stage one where he was to... Susan. Stage four. That's a good question to me. Like so, stage one is is cancer in the, in the colon and in the, the rectum, in the muscles. Then stage two progresses. Then again, stage three goes into your lymph nodes. So while lymph nodes are they're like a bean-like structure, they're in your white blood cells and they fight infection. If the cancer gets into them, you can't fight mm. an infection anymore. Okay. And stage four then is goes to your liver and. And at what point, at what point are you in trouble? Three. Three. It can like the thing with bowel cancer is if it's detected early, 
90% of it is curable. Okay. But if you go to stage three, no, there are stage three people and there are stage four people that have survived, okay. you know? Yeah. You know, miracles and stuff can happen. Stage four, once it goes to the liver, uh, like Susan, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be terminal. Like, it's going to be terminal. And uh, again, like that answer depends. Like, it can, it can spread like wildfire. Like, it could be, you could have stage one, two, f for five, six years. Mm-hmm. But the point of it is, is people like Graham and all these other guys have been talking to me. You have to, if you get in early, you get lucky. Mm. They'll take it out. Uh, it can come back, but you have a better ch shot of it. Yeah. So any any men out there that are even listening, yeah. Especially it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be a teenager. Yeah. Be in your twenties, your thirties, your forties. It doesn't matter. If you go to the toilet and there's blood in your stool, don't be mind pride or be scared. Get it checked out, like, yeah, do you know what I mean? And it's like, but with the bowl screening, if it's 60 to 69, you don't have that option, yeah, that's not good, yeah, nah, but you're like, no, it's too late, like, it's, it's too late, it's, it's too like, late. it's too late, like, you, why is the number so high? Why is the age bracket so high? Which is amazing, I like, so in Australia, it's called young onset bowel cancer. So, what that is, is it's happening in young people, um, mm. and uh. Like, there's a statistic now from bowel cancer Australia in twenty the last two years, 2020, 2021. Bowel cancer is the biggest killer, biggest cancer killer in people aged 25 to 44. Is it changes in diet, lifestyle? No, this is the thing. No, when, yeah, I, when, I, when I looked up, when I looked up the, the research, they're, they're looking at it again, James, you know, and they're looking at a diet. They're looking at um, exercise. They're looking at habits, life habits. Mm. Do you um, think stress is a big part of it, John? Could be, could be. There's no a lot. Stressful environments. It. And it could be, could be, Timmy, like. Um, do you know, pregnant women, there's yeah. a lot of pregnant women get it. Is there that angle of it? That's why I'm doing all my research and looking into all this kind of stuff. And that's what they're all looking at. And so when Susan died, uh, they asked me for permission to test her genes and her lymph nodes. So I agreed to that. So it was funny. I never knew, I knew she died of bowel cancer, but I never knew what exactly happened or never yeah. knew it. And I just had a thing in my head there about three weeks or four weeks ago and I said, uh, I'm gonna have, what happened to that study in that report? So I texted the oncologist in Australia and funny enough, by boom, she had an email back, 36 page email about exactly what the study of every part of our genes and it explained exactly how she died and what happened. So she had like, cancer in her core, her intestine, she had cancer in her appendix, she had cancer in, in the rectum, and it just spread to her liver, like wildfire. So she didn't have a hope, like, but till I read that, I didn't know mm. exactly what happened though. I just mm. thought I was in the bowl. But you read that, it's, uh, it's important, like. Yeah. And it, it obviously was under her arm as well. It was under her it arm as well, under yeah, her. under her arm, there was a lump under her arm. Um, so the, as I said, the lymph nodes are strange, they can, thing is important as well for people as well you can have pains in your chest the lymph nodes in your chest and you can have a pain in your abdomen in the royal port hospital they, had, they, they couldn't connect the dots connect the two when i looked up uh, this researcher in sydney he clearly stated on his page that um, when you have li uh, lymph nodes in your chest they can spread it's connected to bowel cancer you can it spreads like yeah so there's a connect in the dots but they no one knew, no one knew that in the hospital wasn't one nurse. The thing is, and what a lot of people are saying to me is, 
when you go in with symptoms, appendix, hemorrhoids, constipation, there, there's no, you have to rule out the worst case scenario, mm. surely, like. Mm. Could it be bowel cancer? Could it be, could it be anything, like, check? And I, I reckon a lot of medical professions, I don't know, maybe they're not educated enough on it, like. Because, mm. like, we know there's a lot of cancers, breast cancers, prostate cancers. I find with bowel cancer, it's... Uh, so at the back of the queue, like... Mm. Have you got a website for the foundation, John Paul? Uh, yeah, so it's the Susan Ricken uh, Foundation. It's on Facebook. The website is the same, Susan Ricken. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. And will people get information on bowel cancer through the website? They will, they and will. if they want to contact you, messages... Oh, my, info, yeah, my phone number, my email address is on it. Um, and I'd like people like to use it as a platform as well. Yeah. If people like... Because it is hard to talk, like, yeah, and pe yeah. it's a scary time. If if you have something on your mind and you want to pop me a message anytime, because what I found personally myself the last eleven months, it's good to talk to people in the same shoes as me. Yeah, uh, I'm not alone. Like I'm not alone. Yeah. Uh, but you, know you seem so. You, you seem very educated around it as well. It seems yeah. like that you've you've really got yourself up to date with yeah. bowel cancer and. Yeah, I've done my research on it because it's important. Like when you're going down this road, yeah. you need to know what you're talking about. Just try and make sense of it. You have, like, because I'm, like, like when I got into uh, McBarry now as well, and fair play to him, he, he raised the issue in the dial you now with Stephen Donnelly, the Minister of Health, in July. So I'm going to try and go back down that avenue again. But you need to know all the medical terms. You need mm. to know the ins and outs of everything. Mm. But, like, the main thing is... see your passion as well. Yeah, I'm passionate about Rally to me because there's... There's a lot of people uh, out there and support, supporting each other. And another thing as well, like the mental health side of it. Mm. So now we all go on about mental health and we all have, mental health covers a lot of aspects. But mental health during grieving is another aspect that a lot of people don't talk about. It can be a dark time, like, mm. and it can be a lonely time. And, you know, it's, it's a tough one. And you have two babies as well. Two like. babies. Like, the kids, the kids give you... Light. They give you, they, they give you the energy. Nah. They give you the belief. If I didn't have them, God only knows what we're going on. Mm. They give you the, they don't give you a break. You can't like. feel sorry for yourself because they need you. You know There's what no I mean? Do like. you, you see Susan and the kids every day? Every day, man. Every day. The small woman, like Susan, was a dancer when I met her. Dancer, small woman. It's going to, she's got the moves already, man. Mm. So she's going to be <laughs> ah, she's unreal. She was, yeah, she like. They are, they are the legacy to me, like, yeah. the kids, her legacy will live on in the two of them, like, you know, and she's, uh, so every time I look at them, sure, that's the thing. Like, my biggest, my biggest fear when I was, I was going to start was she'd be forgotten about. Mm. No, she'll never be forgotten about in my mind, because yeah. she's there 24-7. But for other people, like, you know, like, you know, if you're not talking about her, why aren't you talking about her, you know? Yeah, yeah, you, kind yeah, of, you yeah. get kind of a bit nervous and a bit. Yeah. So then that's why I did the foundation page. Yeah. Which that's going to help thousands of people in her but name. But this is it. But it was, first of all, it was, I, w I don't want her ever to be forgotten about, you know. Yeah. But then the more people got involved, I was like, okay, let's help others. If, as I always say to people, if, I, if someone gets more time, I got four weeks from point of, she went into the hospital to the day she died, I got four weeks. If someone gets a year, two years, mm. that mean a lot to me personally. And just for people to... So no, they're not, out, they're not alone, like. 
Because I tell you, it's just tough going, like, it's tough yeah. going when you're like that, you know? I know, but listen, thanks for sharing your story yeah. with us. And Thank you, uh, I wish you nothing but the best for the future, just as that, and we can never do for you. Just let us know. And hello to all your friends in Australia who yeah. probably miss you. Nah, I appreciate that, and lads. Thanks for taking the and time. And Susan and her family as well, and yeah. your own family yeah, as well. And Geraldine and Timmy yeah. and all the, the brothers and sisters and that, you know, um, as I said, you're, you're a nice family. You always were a very nice family, and uh, wish you nothing but the best. All right, cheers. Thanks, lads. Thank thanks. You. God bless. God bless. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 